WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 73, All About Two Towers, Theatrical Edition Part 3, being the 73rd part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Kate Sanchez of But Why Though. Welcome, Kate. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about Lord of the Rings. Yay, yes. I'm excited to have you on. I think uh, the way that we originally got connected, I tweeted back in September, probably, when I was starting to prepare for these movie episodes. I was like, I need to get, no offense to all of my guests who I've had on before, I love each and every one of you, but I was like, I need to get new people on, new faces, new perspectives. Um, and so I tweeted and was like, please like recommend me people to have on. And I think you replied and were like, like my Twitter name is literally Oh My Mithrandir. Please have me on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that was me. That is I. I am Mithrandir because I decided let's do a Tolkien de- a deep cut for a name that will be ridiculously hard to brand and write on anything because no, of space. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, I was playing Among Us. It was my first time playing it with the youths uh, last <laughs> week, and I gave my person the name Longshanks, which oh is one of Aragorn's ranger names when he's in Bree, and everyone was like, "What? what is that? And I'm like, never mind. It's a joke. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> I named my Animal Crossing Island Oloran, and people were like, ooh, what's Oloran? I was like... Yeah. Just, just assume it's a Lord of the Rings thing, please. <laughs> keep me with the theme. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got into Lord of the Rings? Yeah, uh, my dad. My dad uh, was a huge reader. Backtrack a little bit. We were super poor growing up, so we had books. Books and uh, like hand-me-down dolls. That's all I had. And so a lot of my dad and mine's bonding time was either throwing a football or reading a book together. And so he uh, he read The Hobbit to me when I was younger, and I reread The Hobbit to the point where, like, the book was falling apart. And then as I got older, the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out, and so he decided to start reading those through with me. There was a group of, like, four kids in, like, my class that also loved Lord of the Rings. Like, it was, we tried to learn Elvish together, and <laughs> everybody thought my dad was the cool dad because he got all the jokes and it was that was probably yeah my, my dad my dad got me into it and I stayed for hot leg loss that's a very common <laughs> answer with I would like I need to go back and do like a pie chart of all my guests that I asked this question I guarantee the biggest piece of that pie would be my dad got me into Lord yeah. of the Rings <laughs> Uh, and then tell me a bit about like what were your memories uh, with the movies? Did you go see them in theaters? Did you see them later, like when they came out to DVD? What was that like? I saw them in theaters. I saw them because they came out during uh, Thanksgiving, and every every one that came out, my aunt and I and her daughter would go watch them all together right after Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving meal. And so it was it was a really special like that was probably the first time I had had that communal theater experience. Because mm-hmm. again, like we were we weren't 
well off enough to like go to the theaters all the time or like watch movies in theater like a lot of my childhood was going to the flea market and buying a movie there um and watching them that way but for lord lord of the rings was like this special sacred thing that like looking back i think harry potter was another one that we all went to together mm-hmm. but lord of the rings was was when this first started happening and then i would go back to school and we would like just trace like somebody would print out elvish and then we would just trace it and we were like really obsessed with it and i think every time I wrote the letter A I put three dots above it for like a straight like until at least the movies stopped coming out um so I have I have a lot of fun memories there I actually had not seen the theatrical cuts in or the not the theatrical the extended editions until earlier this year like mid uh, probably about two months ago interesting um yeah it took me that long um but uh, we found out that one of our community member, two of our community members had never seen Lord of the Rings, had never read any of the books, had no exposure but memes, and we decided to have a Lord of the Rings day with them. And so we started at 11 a.m. and oh we gosh. ended at like whatever the hell time 14 hours later yeah. is. And we marathoned all of them together. We had uh, 11Zs and Second Breakfast um, where we just baked in time to eat together as a community. And it was probably one of like my favorite experiences I've ever had. And, and this is our Discord community. We've been really leaning on it during COVID for connection mm-hmm. and getting to hear people's first time watching Lord of the Rings, getting to experience the extended editions for the first time. And then more importantly, like getting to just be with others in this thing that I love was, it, it was really amazing. And honestly, I don't talk about how much I love Lord of the Rings that much online because it, it's kind of sacred and I don't mm-hmm. want anybody to like ruin it yeah me. yeah I had um a guest on recently who basically had the same philosophy basically of like I love this thing so much that I don't want the internet to ruin it mm-hmm. <laughs> which I totally get I totally understand because like ugh, just look at what ha- has happened to Harry Potter it's so sad yep. and heartbreaking and Star just, Wars as well yeah Star. like I'll say it again I'm thankful every day also this this episode comes out the week of Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Americans. Um, (laughs) If you celebrate, let's be honest, it's a made-up holiday to pretend that we always had a great relationship with Native Americans. That's all a lie. Whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, I'm thankful every day that J.R.R. Tolkien is dead and does not have a Twitter, you know? Yep. Oh, yep. 100%. (laughs) I'm very thankful. I am thankful that he can't... there's just so much. I I don't know what it is, man. Like there, I, I think it's the time thing where like I feel like Lord of the Rings is something that I can protect, or like Tolkien's work. Like I, it's not that I'm tr- like there are obviously obvious critiques to be made about mm-hmm. the foundations of fantasy that have ingrained oh, sure. a large portion of some of the racist stuff. Like that, that's there. I never say that it's not. But there's something about the start or like the founding where I just feel yeah. like I can give it more leeway mm-hmm. but more importantly like there's just so much discourse that happens that misses the fact that like I get that you're really upset 
but how about we hold accountable the new fantasy stuff and leave the dead guy stuff alone? Yeah. Because we can't, can't change the dead exactly, guy stuff. <laughs> exactly. You know, I hadn't really thought of it that way. That's a great way to think about it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, what you were saying about like how you got how your Discord community came together and watched it all. And that's really awesome and really beautiful. And of course, you know, now more than ever, we're, we're needing that sense of community. Yeah. It's important. I will say there were like four parts where it just hit people like a sack of bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, we Sam's, talking about Sam's speech at the end. Oh Sam's yeah, speech at the end. Uh, Gandalf uh, <sighs> right before the Balrog. Oh my! Those like those are probably like we were all watching it in this crazy time and world that it is now, and everybody just like came off mute and was like, "I'm crying." And this really hits hard. There's there's a good chance two weeks from now when we are co- when I cover the last section of Two Towers that I will just start openly sobbing <laughs> because of Sam's speech. Oh my god! Um, yeah, that's all really beautiful. And 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 Lord of the Rings is is here for all of us during these. As I. Every time I see a commercial that's like, during these troubling times, I like <laughs> want to kill myself a little bit more. But <laughs> I'm with you. During these troubling times, Lord of the Rings is here for you. Okay. Back with our least favorite hobbits, Gollum tries to win the sympathy of the audience, but it's not going to work, except it totally does on Frodo, who is for no good reason fighting with Sam when Sam has done literally nothing wrong, but sure, side with the hobbit gremlin you just met instead of your lover, I mean best friend. Later that night, Gollum and Smeagol have it out. Smeagol wins and Gollum leaves. For now. While cooking up some potatoes, an army of Saurons appears out of nowhere with a bunch of mother truckin' Oliphants. A bunch of soldiers from Gondor pop up and take them down. They are led by a mysterious man with kind eyes, a dead brother, and daddy issues. That's right, it's your favorite boy and mine, Faramir. Not sure if they can trust Frodo and Sam, the men capture them. But it's okay. Surely Faramir will make intelligent decisions that don't completely diverge from his character in the book. Aragorn and Eowyn seem to be hitting it off with lots of slow-mo laughter and flirting. This reminds Aragorn that, oh right, I have a girlfriend already. Arwen Astral projects into his dream to remind him that he is destined to be king. In what I think is a flashback, Elrond tells Aragorn that Arwen belongs with her people in the Undying Lands because otherwise she'll die vaguely. Aragorn understands this and tells Arwen to go with the other elves, but Arwen is like, literally, will everyone please stop telling me what to do? Wargs attack so suddenly that it's as if this battle wasn't in the books in the first place. Aragorn helps to save Gimli, but in the process falls off a cliff. OMG, rip the king of Gondor. And Helm's Deep, Eowyn is up set to learn that her boyfriend is dead. Meanwhile, Saruman is casually building a bomb to use on the one weakness in Helm's Deep that Wormtongue told him about. Somehow he secretly created an entire army without Wormtongue noticing until he dramatically reveals it. Oh yeah, Treebeard's in this movie! He tells Merry and Pippin not to worry about the smoke rising from Isengard because it's probably just Saruman doing some kooky shenanigans and not killing all of Fangorn Forest. And just like that, we cut away from Treebeard, Merry, and Pippin once more. See you again in another 40 minutes. Plot twist, Aragorn's alive? Arwen Astral projects once more to revive him, and a horse that isn't Bill the Pony helps him back to Helm's Deep. 
After a long day of astral projecting in order to save and or comfort Aragorn, Arwen dramatically lounges in Rivendell while Elrond gaslights her until she agrees to go to the Undying Lands. Staying behind, Galadriel and Elrond have a telepathic conversation because why not at this point? You know, none of this makes sense. They debate about whether they should get involved or peace out and let these mortals die. <sighs> Sometimes I forget to breathe while I'm doing these. Let's jump into this episode discussion. So we are picking up where we left off, where last uh, everyone in Edoras was heading to Helm's Deep. Saruman was making... We're really getting into the part of the of the story where I'm like, I don't know what name I'm about to say. I just, <laughs> there are so many people now, and they're all alternating. Because at least when I was doing the chapters, one chapter would focus on three or four characters. But like now it's yeah. like... Okay, Saruman, Sauron, Eowyn, Eomer, Theoden, Theodred. I will. I do want to say real quick. When I was a little, a little thing and watching these movies, I would watch them with closed captions so I could learn every name and how to spell them exactly, and I could keep track of them in the movie so I would know. What I, oh. I, I was like an, a really, really anal retentive kid who had a list of names. No, no, no. I think that's like the only way you can watch it. I've said, I've said it before. I don't understand how people in the theater, in the original theaters, when this these movies premiered, I don't get how people watch these without subtitles because there are some things that Gimli says that I'm just like you lost me I don't know what you said all I just heard was a bunch of grumbling uh, <laughs> Treebeard I cannot understand without subtitles and then a lot of times the things that Gollum says I miss and then yeah there are so many names and the other thing is that when you do have subtitles on there are things that like a side character will say or like someone's name will pop up and I'll be like, oh, yeah. he was in the books. That's like a really quick Easter egg of like, oh, they drew material directly from the books for literally everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a very big proponent of subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then speaking of Gollum, so we open up on... Um, Gollum splashing in the water as he is trying to catch a fish. They were like really going for like, we're going to make Gollum look cute and innocent like a child. And uh, he's like splashing around and catch catching a fish. And Sam is like, knock it off. And Frodo's like, oh, come on, Sam. Do you have to be so mean? And I'm like, Frodo, not now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, watching this as, a, as an adult, like, yo, I get that Frodo is the one we all remember because of his name and, you know, he's the ring bearer. But come on, Frodo. Like, really? Really? Be on Sam's side for, like, one thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that's something that really puts me off about what they did. I understand why they did it. This thing that happens between Sam and Frodo in the movies they and how Gollum really drives a wedge between them yeah. is non-existent, basically, in the book. Um, mm -hmm. The only thing that, like, really happens is that you feel... Is that like Frodo is just depressed all the time because of the ring? Yeah. I get why they did this to show the effects that the ring is having on Frodo, that it's turning him against his best friend and possibly lover. Who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I get why they did it, but it makes me so sad every time Frodo has to like yell at Sam and Sam is like, you don't have to be mean to me. Like, it's because you have the ring on. You're not eating. You're not sleeping. Like, I s and Frodo's like, what do you know about this? And I'm like, Frodo, just stop being book five angsty Harry, you know? That's what it feels like all the time. It does, and I just want to give Sam a hug, because I, I, Sam is probably one of the most important literary characters to me. Like,
like in existence and I, I watched this section and I was hoping we we're gonna have like a Frodo and Sam talk just because like <laughs> I get frustrated when I see Frodo do this like one knowing the books but two knowing that like at least from like my memory when the movies first came out like nobody cared about Sam like they just cared about Frodo and now like I just care about Sam so, so much. Mm-hmm. And the importance of somebody like Sam who will, like, having a friend and or a lover um, <laughs> who invests so much in you that they understand your needs and behaviors even before you do, mm-hmm. that is something that is extremely vital. And, I mean, like, go like even like when you go to the end like the fact that like sam's whole thing is like i get that i can't like carry your burden but i can pick you up and carry you frodo uh, so i'm gonna do that and so like just what just like i it starts with splashing and i'm just very annoyed already because i'm just like frodo you don't understand just let sam carry you and let him put this stupid little golem in his stupid little place and it's so uh, it's so so for your context, reading the books, I really did not like Sam. He was yeah. very annoying and their relationship in the books is a lot more master servant. So it's mm-hmm. kind of low key creepy and I don't appreciate it. But they really do a much better job of, of portraying Sam in the movie because you really feel sympathetic for him watching it because it's like Frodo, literally what reason has Sam ever given you to not listen to him? Like what has he ever done? to make you think, oh, I should listen to this evil gremlin hobbit that we met four days ago, as opposed to my best friend, Sam, who we might be in love. I don't know. We both have conflicting feelings about that. Who knows? It's just, yeah, you just feel, you feel. And what's also hard is that Andy Serkis is so good as Gollum that yes. you you find yourself in moments being like, oh, poor Gollum. And it's like, what? Yeah. No, no. Well, not- and the other thing, what I really liked about jumping into watching this, like from this scene, is it's a really beautiful point in noticing how well the CG holds up today. Mm-hmm. Because of because you see Gollum in the water and that should be something that should be hard and that should be one of the hardest things to stand up. And like when we rewatched the movies as a community and when I was rewatching the sequence, I was like, damn, like they did that. Like Mm -hmm. nothing about this CG or like anything feels wrong. Like that feels like that is that is a full performance coming from yes. a little gremlin hobbit. Yes. <laughs> um, so on that note, we're we're going to go off on probably a, a yet another Andy Circus tangent, basically. So Weta Workshop had to redesign slash like rework Gollum's animations and style and everything that they had been working on when Peter Jackson decided that he decided during Two Towers, basically, when they got to filming those parts, that Andy Serkis's physical performance really needed to be incorporated into the animation. And so they had to they had two and a half months to redo two years worth of work basically oh my gosh that is just so impressive and it really it pays off too because when you see the there's like one or two glimpses of Gollum in fellowship and he yeah. looks very different and it looks a lot more it looks a lot more you know cartoon animated rather than like oh we're going for 3d realistic animation here yeah. so it really paid off it was really yeah. good 100 percent 
Gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So props props to Weta Workshop. And then also, so for this scene where Gollum is splashing around in the water, when they were filming it, it had snowed the night before. It had all melted by the time they came to film, but the water was freezing. And so Andy Serkis was just rolling around in this freezing cold water. And he had to, like, by the time they finished, he walked off set wearing a bunch of towels and the um, like aluminum foil like shock blanket things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Andy's a trooper. His yeah, dedication is is really outstanding. Yeah. And then yeah, speaking speaking of that, they so later that night, um Frodo and Sam are sleeping and we have oh just I just I'm slamming my fists on the table because of how good it is this scene that shows the duality of Gollum and Smeagol um, where he's having this conversation with himself and Gollum is telling him that Frodo and Sam can't be trusted they're gonna take the ring they're gonna hurt him and Smeagol is like no no they're they're not gonna hurt me they love me and you know basically telling Gollum to f*** off and leave me alone. And the way that they do this, first you you see Gollum the first couple of times when he switches between Gollum and Smeagol. He, like, moves his body from side to side, but then they just, then they, as the conversation goes on, it just cuts back and forth. And you also see his eyes change between Gollum and Smeagol. And when he's Smeagol, they're, they look more human. And it's, it's just good it's masterfully done because like what i like about when they switch when when it switches from you can visually see smeagol moving to it just being a a camera trick that is always done when you're showing two people talking it is like it it that transition happens exactly at the point in which you are starting to understand that these Mm -hmm. are two very separate entities in one body talking to each other And I remember as a kid that just like freaking me out like so much. And now as an adult, it's something that like I can't believe they pulled off or rather I can't believe Andy Serkis pulled off and then Jackson pulled off uh, directing wise. Uh huh. Because like that is there there's no choppiness do you know if that was shot like as one scene like continuously or did he like do each parts like oh um yeah i don't know i'd have to watch um i'm sure that'll come up when i eventually inevitably watch like the commentary for this yeah (laughs) um but yeah that'd be yeah i wonder if he like did it first just as Gollum, and then yeah. he did it again as Smeagol, or if he was actually, like, talking switch, as Gollum, yeah. and then he would turn around and switch to, to Smeagol. It, given that it's Circus, I would assume it's the second one. Yeah, because, like, but... that's, that's, like, what actually happens in it, yeah. Yeah. It's good, yeah. But and like it's, it's great. The Yeah, that, like, acting choices by Circus and then the direction choices by Peter Jackson go hand in hand because, you know, you could have Andy Circus acting his heart out, but if Peter Jackson didn't have the mind to be like, oh, let's sh- film it and shoot it and edit it this way, it wouldn't yeah. turn out nearly as good, so. Oh, yeah. <sighs> so good. However, during this scene, I don't understand. How are Sam and Frodo still asleep? Because Okay, I asked that too, because I was like, he's being hella loud. He's not, like, hiding that he's talking to himself. He's not worried about anybody hearing him, really. And he's also right next to them, basically. Yes, and I'm just like, 
I guess hobbits sleep harder. But then I'm also like, you're in the middle of nowhere and people are like trying to find you and kill you. You would think that you would be sleeping lighter. Mm -hmm. So this does, however, kind of play into what happened a lot in the books where Sam and Frodo are terrible about like keeping guard at night because Sam would always be like, Frodo, you sleep. I'll stay up and watch over us. And then it would be like, Sam didn't remember when he, when his eyes closed, but all of a sudden he woke up and it was daytime and Frodo was gone. And it's like, (laughs) you guys are terrible. And like the same would happen to Frodo where they would just act, they'd be like, I'll stay up. And then they would fall asleep. So that is kind of like on brand for them. But man, you have to like suspend your disbelief in this scene to be like, I guess Frodo and Sam are really tired, you know? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then we, the next morning, Gollum goes out. So during this scene, yeah. So during the scene, Smeagol tells Gollum to fuck off and Gollum disappears. And now we we basically have Smeagol for the rest of the, of two towers. Um, So Smeagol is like, like, oh, I'm going to be a good little Smeagol and serve my master as well. So he goes off and finds some rabbits and um, is like, look at me. Aren't you so proud of me? And Sam, I, I will give this point against Sam. Sam is just so annoyed and disgusted with him. And he's like, there's hardly any meat on them. And I'm like, Sam, shut up. He just went out and got you guys something to eat. You guys are eating nothing but lame bus bread. Just shut up and give him this one win. You know, like you don't have to be so mean. <laughs> that is that is the only time I will concede that my perfect cinnamon roll of <laughs> Sam did something wrong. <laughs> um, and then we get so Sam is like, OK, I'll cook us up some stew. And he's cooking them, and then he he says, what we need now are some good taters. And Gollum says, what's taters? And we get what is apparently an iconic line that I don't understand. And Sam goes, potatoes. (laughs) I love it so much. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Stick them in a stew. Yep. Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Was this something that was like, was it memed to the same extent of they're taking the hobbits to Isengard? It's, I think so. I, well, okay. So the other day I had a, I had a tweet go fairly viral where I was just like, what, something you randomly, it was, it yes. was, what do you say randomly? And so many people put boil and mash and stick them in a stew. Too. I, yeah. um, I wrote, I quote tweeted that I think. And I said, I say <laughs> it's from the orcs with normal voices video. If you have people, if you haven't seen these videos, please watch them. But all the time I will just go. Man flesh. Man flesh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just not not man flesh. Man flesh. Man flesh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that like I don't. It's it's a different type of meme where I feel like every time I would. Uh, so I feel like there's been quite a few times where I've like talked about potatoes on Twitter and I just get that gift. I mean, I relate all the time. I also love potatoes and basically potatoes any are form. the best are, are the best thing. French fries, vodka, mashed potatoes. Ba- you know, that scene in Forrest Gump where Forrest and Bubba are like they're doing all this work and Bubba is talking to him about all the different ways you can cook shrimp that's how i feel with potatoes you know just be like you can do so so many different things and they're all good i haven't met a bad form of potato yet in my years of life you know 
I haven't either. And that taters is what makes Sam an icon, truly. (laughs) So also during this scene, I don't like this is such a random trivia fact that I found, but Andy Serkis said that this was his favorite scene in, I'm assuming he meant um, his favorite of his scenes in all three films. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to bring it up if it's his favorite scene that he did ever. So there's a shot when, when, uh, when Sam is cooking the rabbits and Gollum is freaking out, you see Gollum spit fly out. This is actually Andy Serkis's spit. It wasn't digitally added in. It was actually his spit. What? <laughs> okay. And he cites this scene as his favorite of all three films. And I'm like, that's a weird... Okay, Andy, I'll give... That's you also know what? quite a bit of spit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like um, one of the hunger... Ga- I think it's Catching Fire. There's a scene where Katniss is giving like CPR or something to PETA and you see Jennifer Lawrence. There's like a whole glob of spit because she's been crying in that scene. Yeah. Oh, what was... Oh, and then recently with Hamilton going on Disney Plus, everyone was making fun of uh, Jonathan Groff who plays King George because he just like spits the entire time he's on screen. Now, don't change the subject. Oh gosh, anyway, this means th- so this is awful. so much different in COVID times. Honestly though, right? Right? <laughs> I was just, yeah, I was like really like grossed out when I read that and you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's because everyone's just so grossed out with germs right now that like I have I have watched a couple of like series that have come out and I'm just like all I'm thinking, oh, you're going to a bar? Mm. That's weird. Why are you touching so many people? This yeah. is this is weird. Go wash your hands, please. Then you're like, oh, they don't they they don't have a pandemic in this show. Oh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right. The before times. <laughs> uh yeah, so listeners, that's a fun fact you can bring up at the Thanksgiving table this week. Also, side note, I hope no one is actually having a huge family gathering and that you're just, you know, if you are doing a Thanksgiving, it's just with, you know, your immediate family or something. So uh, please get on Zoom. Don't take a plane. Yeah, don't don't fly anywhere. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, anyway, if you are sitting at there's an awkward silence, you're sitting there because you're Trump supporting grandmother and then your your Biden supporting dad aren't talking. Just be like, hey, did you guys know that when in Two Towers, when Gollum spits about Sam cooking the rabbits, it was actually Andy Serkis's spit. <laughs> Perfect. Anywho. And then as they're cooking, uh, they hear an army coming through. What's that? More racially coded servants of Sauron. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we also get the appearance of Oliphants, which when I was reading the book, I was very angry about and annoyed by because when they appear, it's very random And then in typical Tolkien fashion, he inserts like a page long poem about them. And I'm like, Tolkien, I do not care about these Oliphants, please. And I'm still convinced to this day that Tolkien wrote a poem about elephants when he was like 15 years old. And he's like, I'm going to use this one day. I'm going to hang on to it. And he was waiting all of Lord of the Rings to work it in there. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make Oliphants. 
And then Sam is going to say this poem that I wrote when I was 15 years old about elephants. And no one is going to be none the wiser except for this one girl 60 years later who's going to cover my stuff in depth on a podcast. (laughs) Not going to lie. I think that's the basis for the majority of Tolkien's writing. (laughs) That's why he has so many appendices. They're just leftover poems from when he was 15 that he worked to do his lore. That's my favorite thing. When I finish Return of the King, there's like my bookmark. I finished it. And there's still like another 200 pages left. (laughs) Which is funny because like everybody like somebody told me they're like, you can't tell me honestly that Tolkien was a great writer. I was like, he built fantasy, but he also explained a tree for five pages. You gotta be a good writer to explain a tree for five pages. No, he is is a fantastic writer like the amount of like i i make fun of him lovingly being like oh my god tolkien we don't need another song but there would be so many times where i would i would just be like i'm gonna read this sentence just because it sounds real good oh yeah (laughs) you know oh yeah and that and that's the thing like i i love making fun of tolkien because again five pages for a tree there's nobody that comes close to five pages for a tree (laughs) And I love every bit of it. Exactly. There's a beauty and immersion to the depth of the writing that he does. Um, But also there are songs about Oliphants, poems about Oliphants. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So there's uh, Sauron's forces coming through. There are these Oliphants that are coming uh, through as well. And then all of a sudden they are attacked by what look like rangers of some kind that pop out of nowhere. And my homeboy, my son, appears. It is Faramir. And, well, we don't know it's Faramir yet. He, I don't think we learn his name until later. We don't know exactly who he is. Um, and he finds Sam and Frodo and kidnaps them. And you're kind of like, what? Because it just leaves them there for that moment. But when he appeared, I was... I was just so happy. Oh, they don't say who it is. Do you know who it is? Yeah, it's Faramir. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be this big reveal. No, it's my favorite boy ever in the world. (laughs) Because I did not know what disappointment was yet to come with what they did with my son in this movie and how they decimated his character which actually I don't think we will get yeah that's that won't be until that won't be until next week that I get into that but uh there are some major changes with book Faramir that I do not appreciate <laughs> I'm not going to lie I was I've realized that I enjoy long-haired men because of all of Lord of the Rings oh 100% <laughs> and, that's like, and that is 100% all I thought of <laughs> Then and now, when I see Faramir first, Faramir. come on. <laughs> I love him in a in a weird way in which I both want to marry him and adopt him. <laughs> <laughs> he needs somebody to love him. You know? I don't care how or who. He just needs somebody to love him. I volunteer his tribute. <laughs> So, yeah, so they kidnap Sam and Frodo because they're like, we think you're enemies. Uh, you know, you're our enemies, you two foot tall people. Yeah, which children. I was going to say, that, that has always, like, <laughs> that has always just sat with me. I'm like, you could punt them. 
Yeah. What are they going to do to you? You could punt them. Uh, At the very end of this section, you see them carrying them, like passing them from one person to the other like they are children. I think at that point they were actually using the actual children body doubles (laughs) (laughs) for the hobbits. But yeah, they're children. They are not any, you know, any danger to you at all. Um, speaking of danger, we cut to everyone in Rohan fleeing to Helm's Deep. Um, and then we get, oh my god, just Aragorn and Eowyn just kill me every time because (laughs) they didn't, the problem is that they did not, like, the writer, they knew that in the end, Aragorn and Arwen end up together. They knew this mm-hmm. going at, going into it. And yes, like you adhere to the book and you make Eowyn fall in love with Ar- Aragorn. That's fine. You didn't have to go so hard on it, you know? Oh, yeah. They beat you over the head with it. Like <sighs> my, my thing is that it seems to be very much reciprocated also on Aragorn's end. That that is what bothers me. That is what has always bothered me because I can take Eowyn doing like helpless fangirl flirting. I mean, look at Aragorn. Look at him. Anybody would. But the fact that he entertains the flirts, like, yo, you want to be an elf so bad. You have like learned their entire culture and you also love a beautiful woman that is Erwin. Why are you doing this? Why? Um, also speaking, so what you said uh, is basically what Miranda Otto said in an interview. So when she, uh, so when she first arrived on set, she met all of the like main people that she would be working with, and then later on, she was talking about this first time v- meeting Vigo Mortensen, and she said. Oh, it's going to be so easy to fall in love with this man. <laughs> yep. 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 Dirty, um, grimy Aragorn. Oh, my God. You got to do it. Oh, I love it. So, okay. So, uh, Gimli is talking about, like, oh, people think there aren't any female dwarves. Blah, and <laughs> this is the flirting moment that I... I went back and rewound it like five times because I love it so much. Also, Eowyn like turns around and looks at Aragorn to be like, is he like just playing me? Like what's going on? And Aragorn goes, it's the beards. And he like makes a beard (laughs) signal with his hand. And they both look at each other and laugh. And I'm like, Aragorn, you can't be like, no, I'm in love with Arwen. We're star-crossed lovers. And then also be openly flirting with Eowyn. You know? (laughs) (sighs) And then like she laughs and then he's laughing and they look back at each other and laugh. It's flirtatious laughter. And it goes into slow motion. (laughs) They're slow motion laughing and smiling at each other. Yeah, they hit us over the head with the the Eowyn Aragorn ship stick real hard. And and they didn't have to because if they had just backed off a little bit, it wouldn't be nearly as bone crushing <laughs> when they don't end up together, you know? Yeah. Because it also, like, it just feels natural for, like, somebody to be, attra- again, attracted to somebody who looks like Aragorn. So, like, of course somebody's going to flirt. Yeah. But, but also, 
Come on, Erwin, right there. I'm sorry, nobody compares to her except Galadriel. That's it. So while they're having this flirtatious moment in slow motion, full of like longing glances, uh, Aragorn <laughs> is reminded, he's like, oh, right, I'm in love with Arwen still. So we have... That's what, I'm sorry, that's the part that I hate so much. And that's how you know that that part was supposed to be heavy flirtation. Because it's just like, remember Arwen? Remember? This is, this is truly where they begin to lose me. And this is where you can tell that Tolkien didn't write this part. You know, that like this part that we're about to discuss is not in the, is not in the book. And you can tell that Tolkien didn't think of it or plot it out because it makes no sense. Okay. So, so Arwen is somehow astral projecting herself into Aragorn's dreams. She is helping him fall asleep. Side note, in this dream, Aragorn is barefoot. And I don't know why, but it feels it feels weirdly wrong to see him barefoot. Like, it feels intimate in a way. I don't know why. <laughs> but it feels weird. Anyway, um, they talk about, like, her going off and them not being together anymore. And th- th- it's just a lot of, like, flash mixture of is this a flashback or is this a dream with with these scenes that are happening um and then also arwen's so this is what frustrates me about arwen's character which i've already ranted about many many times they they really tried to be like we're gonna add one more female character except her only purpose is going to be to sit there and be like no aragorn you should be king you know like you I'm going to I'm going to lounge around dramatically in Rivendell and I'm going to appear to you in your dreams and I'm either going to save you from death or I'm going to be like you know your path <laughs> it is laid before you I remember being younger and being really let down by the end of the of the trilogy because the best Arwen is in fellowship when she does things Yes and then it's like, oh, so we don't see her do more stuff. No, it's it's <laughs> it, they... it's, it's that's bone crushing. That that was. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and I love you. Ewan's my girl. Like getting to experience the her I am no man thing with people who had never seen it before. Like I love her, but come on, yeah, I went to just. You can you can just tell that the writer they were like we had a woman do one cool thing. So I think we're good for the rest of the 20 hours of this. We don't need to put oh, anything yeah. else in, in here oh, of her yeah. doing cool action things. 100%. She, she's just going to be here to look beautiful and tell Aragorn to stop being stupid and that he should be king, you know. <laughs> That's her role, as as many a women in things. Mm-hmm. So then I think we have a f- what is a flashback uh, with Aragorn and Elrond talking, and it looks like it was something that happened in Rivendell that would have been in Fellowship, but they put it in here instead. And it's Elrond telling Aragorn that Arwen belongs with her people um, and that he is going to be harming her by being the reason that she doesn't go with everyone to the Undying Lands. Okay, so this is point one where I don't understand the elves. Of, I mean, there are many. I shouldn't say this is point one. This is like point 500 at this point. Why is it that Arwen will die if she doesn't go to the Undying Lands, but we have Legolas 
still running around with Gimli. Like, Legolas and Gimli live out their days together, basically. (laughs) And he's fine. He doesn't go to the Undying Lands, but Arwen is the one who is going to die if she doesn't go with them. And... I think that it, it it sounds like what they were trying to go for is like, oh, if she stays here, she's going to die of a broken heart when you die. But yeah. that's a diff- that's a different cause of death, you know? That's, yeah, that's you know, not a you're dying because you're not there. That's just a like, hey, sometimes you love somebody so much you just die. Yeah. And also, like, that doesn't sa- – if they are really, truly that much in love, that doesn't sound so bad that you would die soon after your yeah. – partner dies you know Mm -hmm. that you don't have to live without them yeah exactly so like what what so that's just you know for me for me like a lot of that came a lot of that really showcases a lot of elrond selfishness which i think is something that i oh my god come across like really well and like because hugo weaving is just real is a really good elrond but like that man is selfish and there's no hiding it like, he tries to, but, like, it's very apparent. And I think that, like, at least this scene is where, like, I start to cl- – I started to clue in on it, um, like, the most. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things where it's, like, this is clearly not about her. It's this about is him. about you wanting to make sure she doesn't die because you're her father. Yeah. And you don't know how to deal with this. And uh, there's something that happens – I think it's in the last scene of this section that, that he says that I'm just, like, bro, that – Yikes, that's not good. Um, But yeah, I totally agree. And so then we uh, have another scene between Arwen and Aragorn where Aragorn is basically like, you need to go to the Undying Lands. It's not fair for me to ask you to stay here. And to Arwen's credit, she's like, I have agency. I'm an independent person. I can make my own decisions. And my decision is that I want to stay here. There is literally no one telling me I have to stay here with you, you know? And so she insists that Aragorn keep the little necklace thing that is, is it, is that supposed to be like, this is my immortality in this necklace so i feel like that was so that was always what i thought that that he's just carrying around her essence and that is it it. Uh, i don't either whatever i don't either because then i'm like because then i'm like okay well will it what if she kept that essence on her and he gave it back would she still Still die if she didn't go to the undying lands like did she have to go to the undying lands because she somehow took out her immortality essence and put it into the even star what's also confusing is that in the book Arwen gives Frodo this necklace at the very end when mm-hmm. everything is like wrapping up and she gives him this like essence of elf light or whatever. So I, I'm, I don't I'll have to like remember and in, in when I get to Return of the King and, and see what happens there with that. But like it's just again, you can tell Tolkien didn't write this. Yeah, I personally feel like the reason it's kind of like her life force is made physical is because I don't think they trusted audiences, especially audiences. Yeah. yeah, especially audiences like not familiar with any of it to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so instead they said, we're going to put her life into a pretty star. And we uh, in the Facebook group a couple weeks ago, I asked a poll. I was like, so if you're if you were an elf 
and you are in love with a mortal man, would you give up your elfness and your immortality to be with him? Because my answer is, oh, hell no. What are you? Are you kidding me for a man? I mean, I love Aragorn, but like not even for Aragorn. You know what? I do that. This poll diverged into like (laughs) the longest, like back and forth confusion discussion of like, wait, but in the books they say that but okay so okay but i think in this appendices she the necklace means this and it eventually evolved to the point where it was like that gif um from it's always sunny where charlie is smacking the board with all the red string and he's going carol carol that's what it felt like oh my god i also feel like anytime you do ask a not nuance, but like a, a a Tolkien question, you will inevitably end up in Charlie Land yes. in like four different appendices. Somebody quoting the Silmarillion, and that's where we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so then, as Aragorn is having this like flashback, oh, it all it all happened by the way because Eowyn was like, "Who was the woman who gave you that jewel?" That is probably one of my like most hated moments. So in it all. here's here's the thing though is that it's not like Eowyn is sitting there like, "Oh, I'm in love with this man and I have no idea that he has this woman," or I'm going to kind of swoop in and steal him from this. She is aware that there is another woman. And Mm -hmm. she kind of doesn't really let herself think that there's necessarily a chance until Mm -hmm. until Aragorn is like, she's going to the Undying Lands. She is no longer in the picture, you know? Yep. And that's when Eowyn is like, oh, great. Okay, so now that you guys have broken up, I can come in here and we're going to be amazing together. Yep. That's not what happens. Um, And then I think, oh, and I wrote my notes, I wrote down. And of course, Eowyn thinks she has a chance because of all the longing glances. You know, (laughs) if it was something where Aragorn wasn't flirting back at her, she could be like, okay, I just have this crush on this guy who doesn't like me back. That's fine. But she's like, no, I stand a fair chance because he is not taken. He said he is not you know, with this person anymore. And we both obviously love each other. So this is great for me. You know, he slow mode laughed with me. It has to happen now. Yeah, 100%. Then we have a zoom in classic uh, happens all the time. A zoom in on Legolas looking doing like an ominous look. And this is where I really noticed for the first time that 90% of Orlando Bloom's acting is just furrowing his eyebrows. Yep. (laughs) yep it's like really obvious um uh later on but it's it's just all eyebrow action so he's looking off and he is like something doesn't feel right two of the like main guards of rohan their horses start freaking out and a warg comes and attacks and one of the soldiers who's named hama he just stands there and lets the warg attack him and i'm like you are t- you're supposed to be like i'm assuming theoden's like number 2 soldier you know he is a he's a large enough character in the world of rohan that he has a name <laughs> that they give him and he just stands there and screams until the warg eats him it's it's a lot and i'm like use your sword (laughs) so then we go into a huge battle with these wargs that doesn't happen at all in the book (laughs) 
uh, Gimli throughout all of the. Oh wait, actually, first before the, so before they go into the battle, Theoden sends ev- sends the women and children uh, off with Eowyn, and Eowyn's like, "I want to fight," and he's like, "Just go," which. It's from, I think, more from a perspective of, like, this is my daughter, essentially, and I don't want her to be in danger. Also sexism, but, you know. So I read that scene differently. Oh. Um, and, and so, so and, and I, I think it's just because, like, I desperately just want Eowyn to be this amazing feminist hero. But, I know. Um, but no, so I read that scene because she is literally the only, like, because there is, as much as there's that, like, paternal, like, I want to protect my daughter energy, I do think that there is also a lot of respect between Theoden and Eowyn that he understands that Eowyn, if anything happens to him, is the most That's equipped true. to take mm-hmm. care of everybody. So for that scene, I see it as like, yeah, she shouldn't fight because she's my daughter and she's a woman, but also... Who the hell is going to take care of all these women and children yeah. that I am now sending away? Eowyn is literally the best person to do this. Yeah. Um, that was always my take. Or not always. My, that that has been my take upon many a rewatches. Mm. That and like I tried to rewatch it because I, I saw like a lot of the one time I dipped my toe into people talking about Lord of the Rings on Twitter. I saw a lot of like breaking down to them too and like essentially saying that like Theoden was like extremely sexist and all these things and when I watched it when I rewatched it through that lens and I, I tried to kind of interpret it like that I saw it as different it's like I actually really like their interactions because it is extremely fatherly but at the same time he is very much he respects her as a person mm-hmm. as much as he respects her as his daughter which Elrond does not do That's and true. should take some notes. That's true. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I also I also do get that impression too because um in the books in this part of the story they actually leave Eowyn behind and tell her to that she's in charge of Edoras. So yeah. that is you know that does uh you know line up with what happened you know with her character kind of in in the book as well. Um but yeah it, d- it definitely does make sense that he's like you know what like no you're not gonna come fight because where we need you right now is taking is leading these people because they're afraid and they need to look yeah. to someone and like Aomer isn't here I was just recently possessed by an evil wizard <laughs> <laughs> like they're gonna trust you and yeah. they're gonna look to you and you're going to excel in this part and we need you here as opposed to fighting so yeah that's a great point to bring up as I well. just I also just want a sick note that says formerly possessed by an evil wizard. It's something that like really, (laughs) it makes me so annoyed. There's a line where they're discussing what to do before they go to Helmsteep and Theoden goes, last I checked, Theoden, not Aragorn, was king of Rohan. And I'm like, Theoden, you were literally just possessed by an evil wizard 10 minutes ago. Shut up. The whiplash between like this man is possessed by an evil wizard and making no sense in his cuckoo bananas to I'm Theoden. I'm like, yo, no. No, like, no, no. We do. You lost your you you lost your privileges, young man, when you let yourself be possessed by a wizard, you know? Um, 
when they like fork off and go in different directions, one more got to fit in one more longing glance between Eowyn and, and Aragorn. And it's not like, oh, Air, if you really wanted to push that this is a one sided thing that's never going to happen, you would have Aragorn running off and he doesn't see Eowyn looking at him. Yeah. No, he turns around and they look at each other, like communicating like, I guess, like, you know, good luck, be safe. I love you. Marry me. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, okay, yeah. So during this battle, Gimli is a, like, huge point of, like, um, comedic relief because he's like, I'm a rider. Get me back on this horse. And he's, like, really struggling. And at one point, he falls off the horse and he spends, like, half of the battle being trapped under a warg, which is annoying because Aragorn swoops in and kind of what happens next is Loki Gimli's fault because Aragorn like swoops <laughs> oh, it's, in. It's not Loki Gimli's <laughs> fault. It's Gimli's fault. <laughs> he swoops in to save Gimli, and while he's doing that, a warg like swoops up on him, and he gets stuck to the warg. The goblin person who is riding the warg like just happens to reach down and rip the el- you know Arwen's elfness. <laughs> yep. off of him. You know, very convenient. The warg runs down the cliff and Aragorn falls to his death. Except not really. Like, I had zero (laughs) concerns. Watching it, I was mostly just like, I don't get it. Do you not believe that he's dead? (laughs) Oh, no. Why this unnecessary drama? This is so unnecessary. The King of Gondor is dead, Mary Clay, in movie two. Oh, rip. <laughs> Why did they do this? This isn't, it astounds me that this is a plot point, and mostly that people who have never read the books have no idea that people who have never read the books, if you're listening, Aragorn does not have a fake out death in the book. It does not happen. This battle does not happen. They literally just go to Helm's Deep and they arrive there and they're like, yep, we're preparing for this battle. And that's all that happens. I get it was to like try and drive tension. And they also needed to give Arwen something else to do besides cry in flashbacks. But like, I had zero concerns that he was actually dead. Maybe... Had I watched this in the theater, not knowing what would happen in Return of the King, maybe then I would have been concerned. But it's like, it's like you're watching Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix and and if they tried to kill off Harry, then, you know, it's, you don't believe it. Yeah, I mean, I only appreciate this because it sets up for Stormy Aragorn oh. to walk through <laughs> the doors yeah. and then... <laughs> So I will never talk bad about this scene because Aragorn must fake death in order to push open the doors mm-hmm. in the most sexily manner. Mm-hmm. It, it, yes, 100%. <laughs> that is like the only reason for this scene. Yeah, exactly. That's all it was. Giant battle just to be sexy. Yeah. That's what Lord of the Rings is. <laughs> Someone in the writing room was like, hey, we want to have the scene where Vigo pushes these doors open in a really dramatic fashion. How can we get to that point? What's the setup to <laughs> do that? And he has to be wet. He has to be wet and dirty and bloody. <laughs> what do we do to get there? 
Um, also, I will say the CG in this fight is not great. In particular, there's this one shot. It's right at the beginning when the two soldiers are being at first attacked by the warg and Legolas jumps down to run and help them. And you can 5,000% tell that it was... Orlando Bloom on a green screen backlot, whatever, doing this scene, and then they put him in the for in the background of this scene later in editing. Like, th- I mean, that's just like one specific example, but there are a lot of things in this battle that I was like, "Oh, that wasn't good." Yeah, this was the one point in when I rewatched it all where I was like, mm. "Kind of remind me of like the Rhino scene from Black Panther," whereas like Black Panther has phenomenal cg throughout the whole thing and then they decide to bring in the war rhinos at the end and you're like oh that was a choice that was yeah you certainly did something there yeah (laughs) so this is where in particular orlando bloom's eyebrow acting comes into play because so he goes over to this goblin and is like what happened and he sees that the goblin is holding the necklace when i was covering two towers for another podcast on our network bacon and eggs they made a joke about like oh legolas and aragorn are lovers and that's why when later in helm's deep when aowen sees them talking she like has this moment of like oh he's not he's not in love with me because he's in love with legolas it it was his elf essence once you have that (laughs) idea in your head it does kind of make sense because legolas is the one to pick up the necklace and he's like no he's not dead and they walk over and look at the cliff and orlando bloom's eyebrows are just working their hardest at this scene of looking sad yeah i i would like to know actually how many lines orlando bloom has in the entirety of this like they're not hour series it's 90% just a zoom up of not even his eyebrows. face, just his eyes and eyebrows, basically, is yep. all it is. <laughs> we need to know what his elf eyes see. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so then they're like, oh, that's terrible. All right, on to Helm's Deep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they cut back to the rest of Rohan walking to Helm's Deep and in these scenes where you see all of the like peasants and villagers of, of Rohan and Edoras, I keep expecting to see the scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where there are the people digging in the mud and they're like, I'm your king. And they're like, oh, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> I keep expecting to see those people in these scenes, in these crowd shots. Strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. The little girl, uh, Frida, I think Freda and her mother are reunited. Kate, this is very important because I don't know if you know this or not. One of the only times that two women speak to each other in the movie is in a previous scene where the little girl asks Eowyn, she she says, where's mama? And Eowyn says, shh. Oh my God. And that's it. That hurts. That hurts so much. technically technically passes the Bechdel test (laughs) because both of these girls both of these women have names and they speak about something other than a man 
Oh so. my gosh. Yep, yep. Um, that also puts in perspective how incredibly low that I know. Oh, yeah. I know. Right, right. I say, I say this, you know, very tongue-in-cheek of, like, this is terrible, but... Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I 100% get it, but I... D- Listen, part of me is just like, oh, yeah, that passes. And then I'm like, oh, wait, but how does it pass? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Um, I sh- I should also give like the the caveat that uh, so when I was when I was in college for one class, I wrote a paper about the Bechdel test, and I was like, is this actually a good way to look at female representation? And I looked at two films, one that like did pass the Bechdel test and one that didn't, and talked about how like it's it's a very surface level mm-hmm. test. It's not about like oh, just because a film passes the Bechdel test means doesn't necessarily mean that the female characters in it are oh, good. Yeah. Um, one example of that that I talked about in this paper was Guardians of the Galaxy. It's either one or two passes the Bechdel test, but only because Gamora and Nebula speak to each other and that's how it, it passes. But they literally fight each other the entire time and try to kill each other. And it's like, is yeah. that really the kind of like positive female role models we want to <laughs> set for little girls in the audience? You know, so just want to like give that quick caveat that the Bechdel <laughs> test is not, you know, all knowing. It's just like one thing to be to look at to see like, oh, if a movie fails the Bechdel test, it means that there was very poor representation. Yeah. Yeah. So they all arrive at Helm's Deep. Everyone's reunited. Yay. Happy. Theoden jumps down and Eowyn is like, she's like, so so few of you returned. And that's her way of being like, where is my boyfriend? (laughs) (laughs) And also it's. Once again, not to be like, oh, this is a one-sided thing that it's only Aowen. Literally at like Gimli, Legolas, and Theoden are all like, we're sorry, but he isn't here. You know, like even they. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that she likes him. Yes. Everybody. Gimli. Oh, Gimli, I think, was a a shipper for Aowen and Aragorn because he says also very select words that he uses he says he fell not he died yep he fell he fell um <laughs> but he, i mean he means that he died whatever yeah and then uh theoden and what's his i don't know his sidekick whatever at this point are are walking around talking about helm's deep and how it's going to keep them safe as they're talking about it we have a voiceover and we cut to wormtongue and saruman talking and wormtongue is explaining that helm's deep is is a impenetrable fortress except for this one place and I'm <laughs> there's like, always the one place why i'm like well then what was the point even like i get that when it was built they weren't thinking that a wizard would invent a bomb (laughs) but there's i was like well then why don't we make our fortresses so that they don't have one weakness point you know let's not do that Uh, stairs and death star yeah Exactly. Uh, Saruman is making a bomb. <laughs> and well, I guess we don't. We don't <laughs> when, you put it, when you put it like that. <laughs> he, I mean, I think he's he might just be making gunpowder. He's you don't really get what he's doing until later at the Battle of Helm's Deep. You understand what he was doing in this scene. But he's like messing around with this black powder that I think is just gunpowder. And Wormtongue is just holding a candle like right next. And I'm like, Saruman, bro. Bro, let's like not have there be lit candles near you if you're going to be playing with bombs and gunpowder. And it's also like, is this what Tolkien imagined? 
I just want to see. I, I just want to see, like, the most, like, mundane retelling of the Lord of the Rings movies. And it's like, and then Saruman built a bomb. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it does, though. And uh, and Wormtongue is like, how are we ever going to attack them? That would take thousands, ten thousands even. Where would we get such an army? And then they walk out and you see such an army. Saruman has been working hard with his creepy orc breeding (laughs) and my question is how does how is it that worm tongue got here and like i didn't see the army (laughs) yeah like there's literally were they all just hiding and then saruman's like hey guys you're gonna stay underground when worm tongue arrives here and then when i give you the cue come outside and we're gonna do this really cool reveal to worm tongues. It, it was really just like a surprise birthday party. Yeah. That's all surprise! <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and we see this huge force forces that Saruman is is building to to go and attack Helm's Deep. And then we have a scene with my favorite people ever, and I'm so sad that it was basically like cut down so much for two towers. Um, Treebeard and Merry and Pippin. Like to the point where when it cut to the scene with Treebeard, I was like, oh yeah, you're in this. Because they are so they really I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this. It's gonna be an unpopular opinion with literally everyone listening to this podcast, and I'll get into it more during the Helm's Deep episode. But I really don't like the way that they structured two towers so that it's centered around Helm's Deep as being the climax. And yes, it's really cool. However, because of that, they stretched out what is essentially one chapter in the book for all of Mary and Pippin's plotline for a two, yeah. two and a half plus hour movie. And yeah. it, it's almost like, what was the point of that scene? Because it's less than a minute long, almost. Yeah. It's also when I realized the beauty of the extended cuts, too. But even then, like, I have always been a big fan of the ends. And I think in the books, like, I, the reason I always say five, five pages to to describe a tree is like there is also environmental message in the Lord yeah. of the Rings. Oh, yeah. And so the Ents and Merry and Pippin are very important because their interactions you're supposed to learn through Merry and Pippin. Um, as they grow, you grow. Um, mm. And it is get cut down a lot. Yeah. And it's I, I say this a lot, but like I, I understand why it was all cut down, and I'm sure I'll discuss this more once um, I cover the extended edition. <sighs> like it makes sense because the whole charm of the ints when you're reading it is that like you just you slow down and you just like yeah. hang out with them. And I'm yep. like, I would love to have like ten full minutes of us just sitting around listening to Trevor be like, ho hum. You are not orcs, you know, and, and seeing Mary and Pippin be like, it's a tree. It's a tree that can talk. You can't you can't do that in a movie because it totally yeah. slows things down. But anyway, so in this scene, Treebeard and Mary and Pippin are, are walking and Treebeard is talking because they see smoke and Mary and Pippin are like, what's that? And Treebeard says, oh, that's Isengard. Saruman's always up to something. And this is the point where I'm like, Treebeard, literally just turn your head and you'll see yeah. that he has. Because in the book, Treebeard knows what Saruman is doing and he mm. knows. And that's like part of the reason why he's so angry and upset and everything is because he knows what Saruman has done 
to the ints and to the trees and nature and it hurts him when they have the int moot the ints are like yeah let's go to war and it's not something that mary and pippin have to trick them into doing yep uh, so I don't like that they made this choice for Treebeard because he's supposed to be very almost like Tom Bombadil-esque where he kind of like he's very connected to the forest and nature and the world yeah. and he knows what's going on. And so I don't like that he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, I have nothing to add. Just cosign. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we cut to Aragorn floating in a river, and I fe- I just had this huge moment of frustration because I was like, ah, we were just like getting things going again with Treebeard. Like, stop cutting away from them so much. I really, it's so annoying. Um, less annoying though because we do cut to Aragorn, so there is yeah. that. <laughs> so this will bring us to this week's segment of Is Vigo Mortensen actually a ranger? During a take while filming this scene where he is floating down the river Vigo Mortensen was dragged underwater and he managed to kick himself back up off of a rock perhaps saving his life and that concludes this week's segment of is Vigo Mortensen actually a ranger what <laughs> yeah so oh my god I don't know if you know this or not but there are an absurd amount of trivia facts about Vigo Mortensen just being like, yeah, I I wanted to use a real sword instead of a prop sword. People in New Zealand, he would take the real sword with him to practice and he had like the police called on him multiple times. Like he's insane. It's truthfully oh crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The only fun fact I knew was the whole the helmet, helmet kicking. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so good, yeah. Uh, listeners, oh. did you know that when Viggo Mortensen kicks the helmet in Two Towers, Viggo Mortensen actually broke his toe there, and they <laughs> the, kept the take. The uh, the necessary thing in any Lord of the Rings watching yes. is somebody who will bring up that specific fact at that moment in time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to the point that of the, like, 12 people we had in our, in our watch party watching Lord of the Rings, somebody typed in chat, Who's going to be that person? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that it's become a meme in and of itself, you know? Yes. So, yeah. So Viggo Mortensen nearly died and drowned filming this scene, but he, like, kicked himself back up to the top of the river. I feel like that should be the fact that gets shared. Like, oh, yeah, he didn't just break his toe. He almost died. I'll have to find it. I think there was a YouTube video I saw recently that was like, all the times Viggo Mortensen almost died in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Filming it, I should say. Not oh like my the times Aragorn almost died. Like the times Viggo Mortensen almost died. <laughs> yeah, so he's floating down the river and then we have another weird, like, is this is this Arwen astral projecting to save him? And I made a joke, but I legitimately think it's true now um, that the elves are actually just aliens who are disguising themselves to try and fit in with Middle Earth as they learn about life there. But they don't exactly know how to be normal, which is why they come off the way they do. And then uh, one of my guests on the previous episode was like, oh, well, if that's your theory, then what happens with the elves later on in this movie is they astral project. And I was like, you know what? You're not wrong. I am. Oh, God. Why am I on board with this? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know, but I am. <laughs> I think like I'm mo- I'm like 90% joking, 10% like, but actually that makes sense. 
I mean, for some of the choices in this movie, that's kind of the only option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Arwen Astral projects. During this scene, uh, it was originally supposed to be in English, but Liv Tyler had been, she had like fallen in love with the Elvish language that they had been learning. And she convinced Peter Jackson that this scene would be better if they did it, if they spoke in Elvish. And so that's what they did. So I just think that's really cool. And also, I like that. Yeah, I also just love how it shows how much the actors cared about the films yeah. and their characters. Yeah, I agree. And I think that I, this scene in particular like sparked a lot of conversation in that watch party, um, just because like Aragorn is definitely that foreign exchange student kid who went to a new country and decided that he wanted to become oh that, my that nationality. Yeah. Um, and that really shows when he speaks Elvish, I think. But there's something really great when you watch the two of them interacting there because it's it for me, this scene isn't about her meeting him where he's at, which is essentially what her entire thing is. Like, I am an immortal and I have to meet you where you are as a mortal. It's him meeting her where she's at and speaking to her in her her language. Mm-hmm. So which is it's probably not that deep, but no, that's how I read actually, it. Actually, <laughs> my new headcanon is that Aragorn, he sees like Arwen, he's like, Oh, that girl's an elf. I'm gonna learn Elvish so I can impress her. Oh my gosh, I'm with that. You know? <laughs> I'm with that. Arwen is basically like, Don't give up, Aragorn. Live on and prosper. No, that's wrong franchise. <laughs> um same ears. <laughs> and but really. <laughs> and uh so then a horse comes up and this is something that is not it's from my understanding in extended edition which I haven't seen yet. There's a scene where Vigo, I say Vigo, Aragorn <laughs> has a a moment with this horse that he names uh Brago. And so you have that established connection when you're watching extended edition. Mm-hmm. But in theatrical edition this horse just comes up randomly. The first time watching it i was so excited because i was like oh my god it's bill the pony they brought (laughs) bill the pony back in to save aragorn and i was so happy and then he says he's like ah brago and i was like no So uh, yeah, that's my suggestion for uh, the net for when they remake these films, if they ever do. The horse that comes to save Aragorn should be Bill the Pony. Oh my gosh! Also, don't put it in my head that they're gonna remake these films because I do not want them to. I don't want them to ever touch this. Yeah, I'm but kind I feel of... it rumbling. No, I'm kind. No, I I agree. I don't think they. I don't actually think they should remake these, just because I'm in the camp of please stop remaking movies, <laughs> Disney, because yes. I want to see. I want to see new stories. Oh yeah, you know. I'm also. I'm nervous to see what's gonna happen in a couple weeks when the. Actually, it might be like when this comes out. It's next week, basically, when the 4K versions mm-hmm. come out to see like did they make it worse (laughs) did they just go in and clean if they go if they went back in and cleaned up a couple of the bad cgi and effects that's fine but like i hope they still also kept the essence of like this was a movie that came out in 2002 
Yep. And I think that's the important thing. And I definitely don't didn't think you were in the camp of the remakes, but I'm like, I feel like right now with Disney, there's like this inevitable like guillotine, like this blade just hanging mm-hmm. of like remake of a <laughs> remake of an adaptation, remake of a loved classic because we need to right now. But thankfully, COVID has made movie making very hard. Yes, that's true. And I yeah. feel like if they were going to remake Lord of the Rings, they would have to throw every dollar and investment into it because if you mess that up, and Amazon's already having to deal with this, mm-hmm. if you mess up anything with Lord of the Rings, People especially, yeah, especially with a series, like a, a trilogy of films that people like. It's if I say Lord of the Rings is the best trilogy in existence, I don't get fights. Like I get if I say I liked Rise of the Skywalker. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen. I could say the Lord of the Rings trilogy is perfect and I will get 50 comments with people saying you are 100% right. Let's go. Yeah. So, like Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine, don't mess with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could watch a version of Lord of the Rings that doesn't have like there, I think there are a couple actors that like I wouldn't. It wouldn't throw me off if someone else, if someone other than Orlando Bloom was playing Legolas. Like I think I would be sad, but I don't think it would be as terrible watching it. Because you only need the sweet brow action. <laughs> if uh, if like Ian McKellen is Gandalf. Yep. As as much as it pains me to say it, Elijah Wood is Frodo. Yep. I don't think he's a particularly good actor as this role, but it it, <laughs> it works still and Sean Astin and Vigo Mortensen is Aragorn. Again, Vigo Mortensen almost died for this he's role. He's literally Don't Aragorn. recast that. <laughs> I just I don't think yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't watch it. It just wouldn't it, it wouldn't feel right. I Yeah. And I almost feel and this is like a little bit different too of like how would I feel if they redid the Harry Potter movies I'm not even sure I would mind it if they did that because they were all of these actors were kids when they were doing these movies so I I don't think it would like be as hard to watch it with new kid actors because you You just grow up with them again with them yeah exactly but like Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Of course, now that I've like put this out into the universe, I'm sure that like the day after this comes out, they're going to be like Lord of the Rings remake. Yeah. So Brago comes up and saves, saves Aragorn and Aragorn is like, it's, it's good. It's a good Aragorn moment of him being like grizzled and run down and like beaten down and bloody and dirty and wet (laughs) riding off on his horse. (laughs) The wet part's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have one more elves question mark, like in general scene um, that I've I've also I've been referring to this as um, dramatic telepathic elf conversation, basically. Again, <laughs> I, I don't I think I think what happens now is we cut to Elrond and Arwen currently in Rivendell. Elrond, this is where what you were talking about earlier of Elrond being selfish. This is also very, mm-hmm. it's almost like gaslighting of him. Oh, He's, oh it's 100% gaslighting. He says, because Arwen is, she's literally, when I say that Arwen just dramatically lounges around Rivendell, She's literally is on a what you see in like a Victorian movie when like a woman faints and passes out. It's her fainting couch. Exactly. And she's like looking out onto it. It's like on a balcony. 
Uh, it's so dramatic. And Elrond is like, the amount of pain you're in right now, just imagine what that would be like if you don't come with us. You belong with your people. Go to the Undying Lands. And she's like, but dad, I love him. And he says, but do you not love me? And I'm like, yes, because clearly Arwen's existence is only to be in relation to another man, whether that is her boyfriend or her father. This. This is like when people try to they advocate for women's rights by being like, she's someone's daughter. She's someone's wife. She's someone's... Of course I'm for women's rights. I came out of a woman. Yeah, like, like she's someone's mom. And it's like, how about she's just a person? Yep. You know, you don't have to relate her to a man to make her yep. matter. And yeah, and so Arwen is like, of course I love you, dad. I think think this is what happens he shows her a vision or i, I don't it's, know it's, if, it's like it's i think it's a vision i think it's like a projection of i don't know if it's something that like he's just talking to her and is telling her what's gonna happen and then because it's a movie they show visually what oh, he's talking about or if it's because be, again because he's an elf i don't know he little kate just thought it was elf powers making him make it happen yeah and so he is describing like what's going to happen he's like if you stay behind he is going to die and it shows this scene of like of aragorn lying on a table dead which by the way old aragorn is a silver fox <laughs> mm-hmm. Old, young, I love him either way. Arwen is standing there grieving and it shows like a passage of time and she's still standing there grieving. And I'm like, of course, because Arwen's only purpose is to exist in in relation to other men. Her only purpose Mm -hmm. is to exist for men because clearly if Aragorn dies, she has nothing better to do with her life. There's nothing else for her to live for than to just stand there and grieve for years and years and years. Uh, A previous guest shared her idea of how this relationship could work out is that you have you have them get together Arwen stays an elf and after Aragorn dies he passes on the torch to her and she takes up the leadership in order to see his legacy fulfilled and that the work he does in his lifetime is continued on uh, for many generations and that it doesn't just stop when he dies. And I love that so much more. I do too. That is just so much better than she gonna die though. Yeah, than being like, oh, <laughs> poor thing. She's gonna die of a broken heart. Aww. I hate the prequel trilogy in Star <laughs> Wars because of that. I hate the broken heart nonsense, which I understand that sometimes it does happen with people and that's a real thing. But also it's fiction. Let her become like her own person Mm -hmm. and don't say she's just going to die because of him. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) Um, And so this is when, uh, yeah, this is when Arwen is like, okay, dad, I guess I'll go with everyone to the undying lands. Ugh. Again, the so the scene of the elves leaving Rivendell and they all have lanterns and they all like walk in sync with each other and they like line up so symmetrically. This is when I was like, they they are aliens. <laughs> <laughs> they are aliens. And then as they're walking off, <sighs> Gladriel comes in, but not really. 
<laughs> and she has a conversation telepathically with Elrond. And this is, a, I wrote in all caps, you can tell Tolkien didn't write this part. <laughs> Fine, whatever. So they have this, Elrond and Galadriel have this telepathic conversation. And they're like, oh, what are we going to do? Like this all, this is such a precarious situation. Do we help the men who are so easily corrupted and Galadriel's like right now as we speak she's I think she says like the young ranger of Gondor yeah um Faramir and it cuts and shows scenes of Faramir and his crew walking Frodo and Sam who are blindfolded into I think they're going to Osgiliath or they're not there yet or something and she's saying that like he's going to try and take the ring and if he gets it that this is all going to end terribly. So what should the elves do? Do we stay and help to fight or do we leave this world behind? And then like it ends there. And so basically the elves are like, yeah, we're going to peace out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Y'all have fun. New phone. Who's this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, la- the the gif. Uh, I think it's a Mariah Carey gif of her putting sunglasses on. She goes, oh, oh yeah, suddenly I, I can't read. <laughs> Yo, that one. Yes. <laughs> yep, that one's better. I was thinking, I don't know her. <laughs> or they, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> or like, hey, you want to come help us out with this battle for humanity? Left on red. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Or what is it? That gif of the the guy like piecing out and then like fading away. Yes, there's literally yep. so many ways that you could relate <laughs> this to the elves. Yeah, I mean that's later, not what happens, but whatever. Oh my god! All right, that brings us to the end of this section for discussion. Kate, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you on the internet? So you can find me at Oh My Mithrandir on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram is mainly for my manga reviews and stuff, so that's what you'll find there. But Twitter, it is literally everything except for Lord of the Rings because I don't talk about Lord of the Rings online. Um, but if you want to see any of my writing, I am a film and TV critic as well as a game reviewer and anime manga reviewer. Uh, so you can find that stuff there. And if you want to listen to me on my podcast, it is But Why Though the podcast where we talk about different pop culture uh, pieces, why they matter historically, culturally, and societally. Um, and then I also have an anime podcast called Did You Have To? And if you want to follow our community and get involved, you can head over to at But Why Though PC on literally every piece of social media. Awesome. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Late to the Party. This is an urgent message. If you or a loved one have been suffering from mild hallucinations, encountering what looked like a, a horde of zombies, lack of fine motor function, there was no parking, and I pulled up on the lawn and broke a sprinkler head. The inability to sit for long periods of time. Did you just break the chair? Jordan is holding a chair arm up. Roll to sit. Oh, did not do so good. Trouble using your tools. Are you going to take another smashy smash? I sure am. 13 probably doesn't hit. Does not hit. Sorry about the dice, Scott. (laughs) Or existential crises. And I'm playing Sunny Days, a high elf cleric, a half elf cleric, a quarter elf cleric, a mostly human cleric, a mostly human, but with a smidgen of elf cleric. You may be entitled to podcasts. Ask your doctor about Late to the Party, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for the whole family. Available every other Monday on WBNE.org or wherever podcasts are sold.
The cover art is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. And you can also join the Facebook group. This week, we did our first watch party in the Facebook group. We watched the uh, one Zoom to rule them all, which was the Lord of the Rings cast reunion that I unfortunately had to miss out on earlier this year because I didn't want to get spoiled. But now I can watch it. So we watched it and it was a fun time. So join the Facebook group where hopefully we will be doing more things like that in the future. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnedDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod where you will find different levels of financial support and perks. The $3 tier is a great one because then you can access our Discord. Um, you get access to the general WBE Discord as well as a specific thread for That's What I'm Talking About. And we do lots of fun stuff in there. And everyone there is really nice. Last week we played Among Us. And I played for the first time in my life. I had zero knowledge of what the game was. It was a point of like, I don't know what Among Us is. And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. So I just dove in head first. And it was really fun. At one point, I was the imposter. I would like to think I did pretty well for myself. I got down to it was just me and two other people who were not the imposters. So I was doing pretty good. Anyway, fun stuff like that happens in Discord. You can also become a sponsor of the podcast like Clark. Clark, thank you for being a sponsor and continued supporter of That's What I'm talking about. I appreciate getting to talk to you in Discord. Um, I guess what I'm telling everyone is go join the Discord because then you can not only get to chat with me, but you also get to chat with the other amazing Tolks in there like Clark. Next week, we are picking up where we left off. So it will start at one hour, 45 minutes and 29 seconds, and it will go to two hours, nine minutes and 50 seconds. And it will stop right before the Battle of Helm's Deep begins. And then uh, before we go, since this episode is coming out during the week of Thanksgiving, even though I renounced Thanksgiving at the beginning of the episode, um, (laughs) I do just want to say real quick that like, it's so weird for me, because like a year ago, I... I think I was a couple chapters into reading Two Towers and I wasn't I didn't really care that much about Lord of the Rings. So it's weird to like look at where I am right now. But I'm so thankful this year because of everything that's happened that I have Lord of the Rings to dive into. It's such a welcome distraction now for me to, you know, sit down and read it and take notes or watch the movie and sit down and talk with people who are really passionate and love this. You know, it's a it's always a very positive conversation. And it's just such a nice change of pace to sit down and talk with people who who love something, you know, so I just want to say, you know, thank you, J.R.R. Tolkien, if you're out there listening in the ether. Um, (laughs) And also thank you to everyone who who listened and people who have come on the show. So yeah, it's Lord of the Rings. It's good, (laughs) y'all. All right. That being said, Kate, do you have any parting words for the audience? Find just Sam. That's all I got to say. I am genuinely the reason I talk, I, I wanted to talk about Sam more when we first started is like one of the biggest things, the, one of the things that I'm most thankful for in my life since we're on <laughs> the Thanksgiving. Uh, I am thankful for my husband because I it's been an extremely hard year. Um, and I always make the joke that uh, he knows when to just pick me up and carry me. Um, and after a rough year, it's, it, it's nice to have somebody that I know can help me get over that finish line can't carry my burdens for me but he can carry me oh yeah Uh, so find you sam yeah (laughs) find your sam and that's what i'm talking about